0: You're listening to the Townsville Chambercast. Essential information, ideas and news that matters to the business community of Townsville. In this episode, Townsville Chamber's CEO, Ross McLennan, is dialling in ANZ's senior economist, Catherine Birch to discuss the latest Statometer report. Welcome, Ross and Catherine. Thank you, Claire, and welcome, uh, Catherine, to this episode of um, Townsville Chambercast. Uh, We really appreciate your time to come and discuss your quarterly state report with us and also your willingness to take a little bit of a closer look at Townsville and North Queensland so just to give our uh, listeners a bit of an overview the the stateometer report came out uh, just a couple of weeks ago but obviously for quarter four ending in December last year and and gee what a what a ride we've had for the first couple of months of this year Uh, obviously going through the Omicron waves uh, the devastating floods down in the southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales and of course the uh, the uh, overseas news as well with the Ukraine uh, Russian uh, situation as well so look Catherine I guess we're going to talk about a lot from your report but I, I guess some of these more recent news is also going to form a part of this conversation so so welcome and thanks for joining us here on Townsville Chambercast.
1: No, thanks very much for having me, Ross. Pleasure to to be chatting with
0: you. Yeah, so so tell us tell us a little bit about this report because I I'm obviously like this isn't your first one. This is a quarterly report. It comes out uh, uh you know uh, quarter on quarter. And um, tell us a little bit about what you guys look at, why you produce this, and and what it's all about. So the main reason we
1: produce this report, the statometer, is to be able to look at. How the different state economies are performing, both relative to the other states and territories, but also relative to their, their history or their trend performance as well. Um, and that's also important because we usually only get gross state product data annually. So that means sort of the, the economic, the, the equivalent of GDP data for the state, we only get that annually rather than quarterly. Um, or at the national level. So having this report gives us a more timely um, measure of how um, the economies are tracking. So for the the Statometer, which is an index, um, for each state and territory, we take monthly economic indicators across consumer, business, housing, labour and trade sectors. And we combine these indicators into indices that can be thought of as measuring annual change in, in economic performance. So an increase in the statometer index means that growth is faster. A decrease means it's slower. And each index is expressed as a deviation from its long-run average, so we can tell if it's, uh, the economy is performing above trend or below trend. And in Q4 uh, 2021, Queensland economic performance
0: was tracking well above trend, but momentum was decelerating. So I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting because. Uh all of the states except the ACT were above trend but only new south wales was accelerating in this in this report everyone else was in a decelerating phase can you can you offer us a bit of sort of insight into that
1: yes yeah, certainly we've we have seen some pretty clear differences um, across the the states that have been you know in under lockdown conditions much more than the others so in q4 it was new south wales the ACT and victoria were um, reopening after their Delta lockdown, um, so New South Wales and the ACT were accelerating. Um, but the ACT was performing below trend chill, still, which was different from New South Wales, and it did appear to be hit harder by the Delta wave and, and consequent lockdown. So, for example, hours worked and retail sales in the ACT fell quite a bit further than in New South Wales or, or Victoria. Um, I should note, though, Victoria's relative performance is still a bit skewed by its extended lockdown in, in 2020, given it's an, an, annual, an annual measure, rather. But while we saw all the other states and territories decelerate, including Queensland, this isn't really a surprise and it isn't actually a negative thing either. Because we've been in, we've been in catch-up mode for a while, particularly through 2020 and into early 2021, and now we're past that catch-up mode. So, You know, Queensland state final demand was actually already above its pre-pandemic level by Q3 2020. So the state's economy recovered more quickly and it has outperformed the national average. Um, So it's not a surprise that now we're seeing, now that we're more in expansion mode rather than catch up mode or recovery mode, that growth has slowed from that, you know, artificially high speeds that we were seeing earlier on.
0: Yeah. So when you when you break it down into into, into state by state, are you are you um, still looking at this as a as a holistic Australia wide, um, I, I guess index, or are you are you really interested in in those states when you're um when you're doing this? So I mean, obviously the report covers the whole of Australia, but you break down each state. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that um, can we have a bit of an overview of Australia first? Because, I mean, a lot of these trends are are looking similar. We had a huge amount of stimulus in the economy, uh, that sort of stuff starting to wear off. And then obviously the lockdowns and different things played out. But how does this look as Australia and Queensland? And then what I'm really going to be interested in is sort of delving in if we can if we can narrow it down a little bit for North Queensland and, and, and the Townsville area.
1: So, I mean, we do use this to look at, you know, to paint a bit of a, a picture at the national level as well, but it also allows us to to get a bit more detail on on some of the national level data that we see. So, for example, if the national economy was going really well, um, but, you know, there was a, a big discrepancy and some states were doing extraordinarily well and some states were, were actually still quite weak, that would tell us quite a bit about, um, I guess, the, the sustainability and the robustness of, of the national picture. Um, and overall, this, this report does paint a pretty positive picture for, for the national economy. Um, obviously, there have been differences between states and, and between even within different regions within states. Um, both due to the direct and indirect effects of the pandemic. So because almost all state economies are, are performing above trend, that does suggest that the strength is, is pretty broad-based. Um, and I guess that the Q4 GDP data that came out last week, which showed that GDP rebounded to be 3.4% above the pre-pandemic level, um, really confirms that. So once you know the states came out of lockdown, our economic position is is pretty good, particularly if we look at it on a global stage as well. Also, I guess, you know, if we look at some of the, the underlying data that goes into this report, importantly, almost all states and territories have higher employment and lower underutilisation than before the pandemic, um, and some materially so. So Queensland's unemployment rate, for example, hit 4.4% in January, which was the lowest since 2008. Um, and if we think about Townsville's, Unemployment rate. I mean, we're looking at at, at the national rate getting under four um, percent, you know, in the, in the near future. But councils' unemployment rate has been running at below four percent since like mid twenty twenty one for you know six or eight months now. So that I think is a, is a real positive for for the regions as well, because the, the labor market really, I guess, underpins a lot of these other sectors. If you've got a weak labor market, well, that's probably gonna feed through to weakness in the household sector, and therefore weakness in the, in the business sector. But if you've got a solid labor market, that really underpins, you know, a, a pretty strong outlook and a strong base for growth going forward. And I mean, we're, we're pretty positive about the national economic outlook overall. Obviously, you know, Omicron has been, uh, I guess, a temporary setback, is what we're talking about it as. But acknowledging that there is still a, a big risk to the outlook from any new variants that might come through, um, particularly going into winter. We've also got uh, the conflict in Ukraine, um, which has obviously had a, a huge human cost, um, unfortunately, but also heightens the risk to to the global economy and to our outlook. And then, of course, we, we've just had these horrendous floods um, in southeast Queensland and Northern New South Wales as well. Again, a, a very significant human cost. Um, and if we look at it from an economic perspective, that is likely to detract somewhat from economic activity in the near term. But if we look at... Sort of past some of these disruptions, the underlying um, drivers still look pretty strong. Domestic growth prospects, in our view, remain very positive, given that consumers have shown a willingness to spend, um, particularly now that we can, you know, get out and about a bit more and travel to different states and things like that. There's also a large amount of housing construction work in the pipeline, and businesses are still pretty optimistic about their capex plans. So. That tells a pretty positive
0: story, although we do have to acknowledge that there are risks. Yeah, and I, I know like, you know, in the introduction of the report, we sort of, you know, it's highlighted there wages, uh, you know, going up, uh, inflation going up uh, as well. Um, have you sort of got a line of sight on where you think that's um, heading uh, and, and, and where that's going to end up uh, over the next sort of, you know, 12 to, to 24 months?
1: Yeah, as I said, we're pretty positive about the economic outlook. Um, And I guess what we look at it as, well, what are we expecting for the labour market? How will that affect wages? How will that affect inflation? And how does that flow through to what we can expect on monetary policy or interest rates as well? I mean, if we look at the the labour market as as a starting point, we're at 4.2% unemployment nationally. We've had a, a very sharp fall in underemployment as well, which is very important for wage growth. And the forward indicators look good as well. So there's still, you know, almost 400,000 uh, job vacancies in the in the national economy. So we're actually forecasting that we'll see the unemployment rate fall to the low threes later this year, and that would be a, a real milestone. I guess the one thing that we get asked quite a bit about. Uh, when we're talking about how positive we are in the labour market is, what will the reopening of, of international borders, now that you know we will get more migration coming back, how will that affect the labour market? And look, we don't think it's going to prevent further labour market tightening. We don't think it will prevent wage growth acceleration either. It should help with some of the the matching of the right people to the right jobs and make that more efficient. Um, but we still think that it's going to be very competitive to get the right the right workers and enough workers as well. And that should help push up wage growth too. I think the key thing to remember on that is that n- not only will um, new arrivals add to the supply of workers, they're also going to add to the demand side of the economy as well, which is already very strong, because they will need to buy their own goods and services and find housing to live in and things like that. So we do see the labour market continuing to improve and wages growth to pick up quite strongly as well because of this competitiveness for labour. Also other indicators like inflation expectations rising, more people expecting to change jobs this year too, which does have a positive effect on on wage growth. Um, So they are good signs. Um, Of course then, that flows through to inflation, which is, I think, the topic on everyone's lips at the moment. And you know, some of the story at the moment is certainly the supply-side disruptions Um, and also the shift in spending that we've seen. We're spending much more on goods than we used to and less on services because we haven't been able to to travel freely. We haven't been able to, to go out as much as we would like. So as we hopefully see some of these supply chain disruptions ease, of course, there are heightened risks. At the moment, but as when they do start to ease, and as we start to see this rebalancing in spending, um, that should uh, mean that some of the goods inflation starts to ease. But on the other hand, we are starting to see inflation pressures broadening. So more of the services side and non tradables inflation is starting to pick up. And if we're right on wages growth accelerating, that will also push up inflation. So that's um, one reason why, even though we're expecting inflation to ease from the second half of this year, we still think it'll be, you know, around the the top of the RBA's target band of two to three percent by the end of 2023. And that will mean that we'll need to see higher interest rates to try and bring inflation down.
0: Like, like fundamentally, how do you, how do you, do you think that's a major, like, cause what you're saying there is, is we've got wages growth. We've got, uh, you know, people walking, they're spending, well, specifically more locally on a lot of things and, and keeping it going a little bit longer. Uh, we're going to try and bump the interest rates up there to put, put a little bit of a squeeze on. But, um, I know here, like with our medium house pricing and, and our, you know expenses for those sorts of things compared to a lot of other parts of australia we're probably in a very good position to weather any sort of interest rate rise uh, rather mm. than the big cities but do you, do you think this is going to have a, a more of an adverse effect on those cities or or, or do you think or the, i should say the capital cities or do you think this is going to sort of go hand in hand
1: um i think it's a good question and i think the regions will be um more resilient uh, overall But actually, I mean, if we take into account our forecast of the cash rate, we've got the cash rate starting to lift in September this year, getting to from the the current 0.1%. We have it getting to 2% by the end of next year and and then actually moving higher because we think inflation will still be relatively high at that stage. So we could, for example, see a cash rate with a a 3 in front of it. Now, uh, you mentioned the housing and, and a lot of people sort of go well, what is that going to do with the housing markets, you know, with interest rates rising, you know, perhaps 300 basis points or so? But if we look at it in aggregate, the household interest payments, even if we get a cash rate to 2% by the end of 2023, interest payments should be a smaller share of household income than we saw in the years leading up to the pandemic and still below the the, um, long run average. So that should mean that in aggregate, um, households should be pretty resilient to this, but that that average does mask disparities. So in some of the, the capital cities, particularly Melbourne and Sydney, for example, where, you know, uh, to take on a lot of debt usually relative to income to, to actually buy a house here. Um, people who may not have saved, saved too much extra during the pandemic, um, who may have fixed their rates at the lowest point in the cycle and will be facing higher fixed and variable rates when they do refinance. Some of those households will fall behind and, and unfortunately will not be able to keep up with those repayments. Um, but given that that more regional areas, more regional towns like Townsville, um, I think my own um, area that I live in, in Geelong as well, are not as exposed, I think, on the whole to that actually going forward. So obviously, again, there is disparity bet- between households within the regional cities as well. But I think places like Townsville are going to be on the more resilient side, particularly if we see wages growth picking up in some of these areas as well of course we do have to balance that with with some of the uh, some of the deterioration in housing affordability that we've seen over the past two years as well
0: yeah i mean i know anecdotally when we're we're talking to people up here and and people are still moving up here from the southern states whether it be for the lifestyle Mm -hmm. or whether it be but you know the the cost of living is one of the, the the big draw cards for them you know they can they can get something here for, for half the price or, or, you know, and buy the new Land Cruiser and buy the boat so they can enjoy their lifestyle and, you know, it, it it really has been highlighted through COVID. I mean, I'm I'm based in Townsville. You're based in Geelong. We're doing a podcast and talking about all of the states in Australia, and and yep. um and and this is the beauty of it. So people are, are recalibrating and look at those debt levels and 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 look at those pressures and and you know actually making that decision to move. And I know. You know, we've talked about vespers or, or virus escapees seeking provincial Australia as uh, Bernard Salt sort of uh, framed it early on in the pandemic. And there's no doubt we're seeing that arrive at our city and in, in not only, I guess, uh, the residential side of things, but also in the commercial, particularly in the commercial investment um, side of things as well. We're getting, getting a lot of good reports of capital moving into these regions because of major projects and, and demands and things like that sort of filtering through but um I, I did pick up in the report too you you, you the, the headline for queensland and, I, and I, I did enjoy the quirky headlines to each uh each <laughs> state. you know i'll give you a, a tick there for interest as you as you're getting through <laughs> the report but um the queensland was make hay while the sun shines now i i I have to reiterate, it shines all the time uh, in North Queensland <laughs> we, uh, or, or Queensland. Yeah. We get a shower of rain, uh, unfortunately, too much every now and then. But yeah, so if anything on your, your page there, make hay while the sun's fine, but um, make more hay while the sun is shining might be a more appropriate um, tick there. But we did notice a couple of little drops there um, in in Queensland, and you've probably covered that a little bit at the moment. So I, I, I guess what I'd like to see is, is you know, where do you see queensland and then northern like is there some opportunities here i mean i've just you know touched on the affordability side of things is there something that you're seeing with these trends that that queensland is doing well oh certainly and i think that
1: that affordability point is um is really key uh as you said we've seen a lot of people a lot more people than usual moving up from the the southern states to queensland um, so a lot of that uh, you know uh, Brisbane and queensland more generally is population growth has been you know um, I think the strongest in the in the country because of all this this interstate migration and that certainly helps you know a lot of things particularly on the on the demand side as well um, but I think one of the interesting things was that you know population has picked up population growth is um is relatively strong obviously not as strong as as when we had international uh, migration it's still pretty strong but most of it is around brisbane around sunshine coast around gold coast that's where the strongest population growth in queensland has been but if you look at somewhere like townsville which and i'll use my own town as, as another example geelong has seen quite strong population growth because you know even as people uh, move to Geelong, it's still, once people start going back to the office in Melbourne more, you can still get there. It, it's within it's within reach. It's, you know, an hour or so on the train. But what was interesting is, you know, council, probably not as, as accessible if you need to go in a couple of times a week to an office in Brisbane or something. But still, population growth has been stronger than a lot of other parts of Australia, even without that, that benefit, perhaps. And one of the other things that, that jumped out in the um, employment data when I was looking through it is that there's actually been quite a significant increase in professional services employment in Townsville as well. So that suggests to me that actually some people are picking up and moving. Maybe they'll be working remotely, you know, most or if not all of the time, and that also helps with the, with the local economy too. I think if we, if we sort of turn back to, and I know you're Your question was on Queensland more generally and Queensland making more hay while the sun shines. (laughs) And I mean, we have seen, you know, housing, labour, the trade components that are part of the Statometer Index are all still well above trend. We've seen, you know, the Brisbane housing market again has been very strong and some of that population growth has really contributed to that. As I said, the labour market is going quite well. But there have been some uh, pullbacks, I guess, in some of the data that we will be watching. For example, we saw a fall in construction activity in Q4. Although having said that, it it came after quite a a strong period and there is still a lot of work in the pipeline. So there may potentially be some temporary volatility, particularly as um, you know, Queensland was, was starting to open up to the other states and then we had Omicron start to hit at the end of the quarter, which I think affected some of the business conditions as well. But if we think about it from more of a medium to longer term view, the state the index for Queensland in Q4 was certainly helped by the rise in export value that we saw, particularly driven by by coal prices um, and how high they are. Uh, and obviously some of the, um, uh, the geopolitical issues in the world right now do mean that commodity prices have been quite high. But that's something to consider as we go forward as to how long that will continue to, to underpin the Queensland's economy because it's sort of an, an unusual situation at the moment that won't be a, a permanent fixture, I guess. But then if we think about some of the other, you know, Positives on that front, for example, we're looking at the, and this will you know, relate to council in particular, the Northern Queensland Renewable Energy Zone, which will, I think, help provide more investment in the near term, but also more productivity um, as well over the longer term and, and help, again, households by bringing electricity prices down further. So there's a lot of moving pieces. So I think we have to be careful about reading too much into one quarter of data um, and note that there is, you know, an unusual amount of volatility at the moment. So while there are a couple of
0: areas we'll be watching for Queensland, overall our outlook is is pretty positive for the state. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I know, like even anecdotally on the street up here, and and you know we've had we've had very good business confidence surveys uh, coming through mm. or, or, since really the start of last year, and and even even into this year. Um, I mean we we'll, we will pick up the Omicron um, uh, issue, I guess, in the next. Sort of round of reports, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's really, I guess it's nice when the 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 anecdotal macro on the street is is lining up with what you're seeing as a as the overall numbers as well. It's when there's big discrepancies. Um, but you know, I, I love the fact that you're talking about professional services, uh, Catherine. We did a mm-hmm. podcast last year on and and you know, like a lot of regional parts of Australia, we want opportunities to to keep our young ones here we've got a great university here um, producing great great graduates and you know the first thing they think they have to do is go to the bigger bigger centers to to write the report that about Townsville so um, you know it's fantastic to see some of this this great knowledge and professional services moving into these regions and and capitalizing Mm -hmm. as we said on the lifestyle and the affordability
1: yeah I definitely agree and I think I mean, you know, for years leading up to the pandem- pandemic, we, you know, we're talking about all the digitization and the new technologies that mean that we could, you know, speak to people around the world at, at any time and we didn't actually have to be, you know, in a central um, uh, office or something. But actually, we were still seeing more and more of a concentration in the city. So I think this um, this really sharp swing Towards more flexibility, towards more remote working, um, will help, you know, regional cities and also not even just just regional, but also some of the um, suburban areas as well, because if you if you have people staying uh, working from home, where whether it's in townsville, whether it's you know in in a melbourne suburb or a brisbane suburb. You know, those people are going to be going to their, their local to get some lunch or, you know, going to be able to, to take their kids to the park or have that work life balance as well, which I think is, is really good, not only for, for people's personal, um, you know, satisfaction with work and, and the, the work life balance. Um, But also, you know, it can help with, I think, productivity as well. And having that, those additional opportunities, having those, um, uh, I guess, new networks, more on the ground sort of experiences as well. So I think, you know, some of those things will be a silver lining for uh, regional cities or regional areas like councils
0: yeah and um look undoubtedly we're we're already seeing it so and i mean that's the great thing and um you know i think i had one more question for you was to was to take a bit of a deeper dive and and hone in on towns to be honest catherine i think we've covered it i think we cover it in general conversation um and look i i I really am thankful for you for your dialing in today and and um and sort of honing in a little bit on regional australia for us because um i know the trends uh are similar i guess but you know if it actually get someone of your caliber to to sit down and break it down for us and, and and talk about our marvelous city and and look at that data i mean that unemployment rate is is exceptional um and it's mm-hmm. and we don't have to go back far until you know we, we were sitting in offices talking about unemployment levels in the teens so uh it, it it really is great and and um the the people of northern australia and and particularly regional australia should be incredibly proud but but once again, um, Catherine, is it is there anything you want to leave us on, or if there's any other, um, you know, I can I can give you a weather report or something. It's not, it's a bit hot up here today, <laughs> but um, you know, are you, are you planning your? I guess we didn't touch on tourism, which is a massive thing up here in Queensland and, and something that's definitely yeah. been missed. And uh, so I think you know, once all you guys uh, it gets a bit cooler down there, you'll be you'll be looking at options <laughs> to to nip up here for a for a short break away. Uh,
1: I certainly wouldn't mind uh, escaping near Geelong winter to come up to Townsville for. a trip. Um and I think I think things will be better for for domestic tourism this year. Um I guess, you know, there, there's quite a bit that's made about international tourists versus domestic tourists as well. Um, but again, it, it's more the capital cities that have been more exposed to the international tourism. And it is, you know, overwhelmingly if we look in regional areas, it is domestic tourists that actually spend the most. So I mean, prior to the pandemic, around 92% of tourism expenditure in Townsville was from domestic rather than overseas tourists. So I think now that even WA has opened its its state border now, and that we do have more certainty around being able to move and not getting stuck in quarantine or lockdown somewhere else. I think that certainty around the, the state borders remaining open as well, will also be a, a real positive for domestic tourism too, particularly as, uh, you know, we it might take a while longer for international tourism to, to pick up, given that, you know, Australia is a long way from, from most other places in the world. But I think that that certainty around the state borders will be a real positive for tourism in places like Townsville in particular.
0: Yeah, I know, you know, Personally, you know, mother-in-laws are allowed to travel again now, so that'll be a, a massive economic <laughs> stimulus uh, at, a, at a number of retail stores and ice cream parlours around the nation. So um, get, get, the, uh, get the grandmothers moving again, I say, and, and let them um, stimulate economies all over the country.
1: Well, I mean, it looks like that might be happening already because if you look at the Townsville um, employment data, um, employment in the accommodation and food services sector, is actually higher than it was before the pandemic which is very different from the national trend Um, so hopefully that continues
0: (laughs) fantastic well i think that's a a great um note to leave it on and and once again catherine thanks thanks so much for uh for joining us and and we weren't disrupted by your uh your alarm uh your your little puppy down there your alarm dog uh so we got (laughs) away with the podcast and we got it done and um once again thank you so much for your time and your insight we really do appreciate it
1: Thanks so much, Ross. It's been great to, to chat with you and to hear about um, the local Townsville experience. And as you said, it's always nice when the, when the anecdotes match up to what the data is telling us. So thank you very much for having me on. Thanks, mate.
0: Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Townsville Chambercast. Remember to subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released.